0: Welcome to the Help Me Understand Podcast. I'm Dr. Robert Dillon, a school designer focused on innovating the what, how, and where we learn. This podcast is designed to unearth and share ideas and practice the power of positive conversation. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you hear, share the podcast with friends, as well as rate and review, as this helps more people find this great podcast and others. Well, thanks for joining me on this special episode of the Help Me Understand podcast. Uh, Today, you'll actually be hearing a podcast that I recorded for the Oregon Department of Education and the work that they're doing on equitable grading practices. If you want to know more about equitable grading practices and what's happening over at the Oregon Department of Education, please check out the show notes. But for now, sit back, relax, enjoy this podcast with the staff from Athey Creek middle school. Welcome to everyone. It's great to have all of you uh, Brady Bunch style here on the podcast. So uh, oftentimes I do the podcast uh, one on one. But today we are six strong uh, to talk a little bit about equitable grading practices. So um, welcome to everyone. And um, whoever wants to start here, kind of why has this become a priority uh, for you? this team and your school.
1: My name is Avalon Fox. I teach eighth grade math at AC Creek and I'm part of the equity team. So we started off as a whole group equity team with just a broad vision of wanting to um, narrow some achievement gaps in our schools and create more equity. And the first year was really we were just having conversations more than focusing on actions and what we have control and power of because there are so many things we want to change. But to narrow our focus in our second year, we decided to create two action groups. And one of those was the grading team. And so that we had joined in initially just to find some connections about what are we doing that's similar, different. It started with a lot of just, again, talking and, um, showing where problems were and where we aligned in some things, but we really saw very clearly at the beginning that there were a lot of differences happening in grading, even just within our small team. So we needed some focus and something to guide us. So Jill recommended a book by Joel Feldman called Grading for Equity, which allowed us to have kind of an anchor to our conversations and gave us some bigger ideas to try. provided some um, encouragement of things that some of us were already trying on a really small scale within our own classes. But in reading that last year, we made a commitment to each other to be vulnerable and try some new things this year. And we, so we said we would start a pilot group. We're going to try some new practices together. And so last May, we presented this plan to our colleagues. And it really wasn't much of a plan yet. It was really more of the start the seeds of a plan. And we had an overwhelming amount of interest, even after such a chaotic year and leading into (laughs) another chaotic year. Um, So when we picked back up in the fall, we had um, every staff member join us in some capacity at the beginning by volunteer. And we started with creating rubrics. And we just, we, We've made this our goal because it's something that we are passionate about. It's something that we have some control over right now in, in a year that's really tough. And we see the immediate impact it has on our students in that they see some consistency between their classes. They're no longer navigating six different systems. And while you know, making changes is hard, it creates some added energy and coordination at the beginning. It, we're really starting to transition into this stage where we get to benefit from the collaboration aspect and see the the clarity with our students.
0: Well, A, I love that. I, I think that um, it speaks really uh, positively to the culture of the building that people are saying, I want to be a part of that. In a time when people are tired, people really aren't begging for more things to do. But when you see something as a priority and you know it can make a difference, you um, that's fantastic. And then you're so right that every building I've ever been in, you start asking people about grading practices, and it's like this grand mystery. It's like, what are you hiding under the surface? And no one's trying to be nefarious. No one's trying to hurt kids. Uh, oftentimes we're doing it the way we know how to do it as opposed to in deep conversation. So I love the fact that you guys have that anchor text. I love the fact that it's been a priority. And then the culture of the building of people being able to say like, we trust each other enough to be in a tough conversation at times. So uh, beyond some of those, hey, we got people thinking and going. um, What are some other early takeaways from your work in this area? And I know that we're all on a journey. It's a process. No one's saying that you're the bright shining star on the hill yet. But um, what surprises, what benefits have you seen so far?
2: So I am Amber Sprig. I'm the uh, one of the art teachers at Athe Creek, and um, so, I mean, aside from the overwhelming interest from staff wanting to partake in this pilot study, pilot program, um, we kind of, as first quarter, as we're kind of diving into, okay, here are the equitable grading practices we're going to stick to. We're going to have rubrics for all of our assignments. We're going to uh, not penalize late work. We are going to these things that we were saying, okay, this is what we're going to you know, stick to. Um, some of the organic work that came along with conversations and how do we do this and how do we report this out? One thing that came out was um, learning targets were super beneficial for us. Um, instead of having a grade book full of assignment one, assignment two, test one, test two, instead it's now listed as learning target A test might be three learning targets. And and so a student and a family is able to clearly see that how they're doing in each of these learning targets as a result of taking a test. And that did not come as one of our priorities in our equity group. It just, as we started discussing things in different like language arts teams and, and related arts teams and math, it was like, you know, I think this might be the best way of kind of, sharing over a grade system how students are doing. And it actually ends up being easier for us as teachers to grade. We're not having to keep track of all these points for all these different assignments. Instead, it's like, well, these tasks are all supporting evidence for this learning target. It puts teachers in the place of being a professional, of being like, yeah, I see that this student maybe they're not, you know, you're, you're able to use different forms of assessment, you're not having to stick to a rigid like points accumulating to be a certain grade. And so that was a surprise for all of us that that was an organic transformation that came about. Um, and it keeps us way more clear in our, our curriculum development. Um, and um, so I think that has been kind of a really cool um, transformation that's taken place. And that's actually also helped a lot in this time of COVID um, with rampant absences. Um, Instead of kids coming back after being gone five, six, seven days and saying, oh, you have so many assignments you need to get caught up on. Instead, you can be very clear, like this is the learning target we're trying to achieve. I only want you to try, you know, doing this task or this lesson to um, demonstrate your knowledge. And and then you can kind of assess based on where they're at. So um, I think those are some of kind of our initial. Oh, another thing is the change in how students are talking about their learning. No longer are they like, oh, what what do I have to do to get up to an A? Or um, I turn in all my missing assignments. Why are my, my grades so low? Instead, it's like, hey teacher i don't quite understand how to master this learning target or what can i do to revise this Um, so they're much more engaged in what they know and don't know Um, and so that conversation has been really encouraging i think for us teachers as we navigate
0: yeah and i love that once that capacity exists in students it goes from year to year right so okay, second graders are learning how to talk like that. Sixth graders are learning how to talk like that. Seventh graders are learning how to talk like that. The next year you're already ahead, right? Like it's not about point collection. Uh, And so I heard so many pieces there, but when you are vulnerable enough to have a tough conversation about grading, it will change assessment. It will change instruction. It will change the way you look at your curriculum guides and uh, there's no way um, not to have that happen. So, uh, but if you go the other direction, grading's always that barrier to those changes. And so that's why I think it's such a great um, kind of block to break uh, because it helps kind of break up the, just the way we do things backwards from there. Uh, All of you were involved a little bit with the, ODE, the Oregon Department of Ed's uh, cohort, they had on equitable grading practices. Um, Can someone talk about that experience a little bit?
3: Yeah, so this is Jill and I am the sixth grade, a sixth grade language arts teacher and also a teacher on special assignment at our school. And I think there are a couple things that stand out uh, to our group about the Oregon Department of Ed cohort experience. And first, I think it's important to like, hear our journey a little bit so that you can understand why that was so important for us. So, you know, we started um, before OD's cohort began, we started about a year ago examining our practices and we had a lot of conversations that I think were um, revealing to us and also really difficult for us to um, hear that many practices we had used for years and years um, were inequitable. And I think that was just hard to sit with um, for many of us. And after those conversations, you know, once, once you learn that what you've been doing is inequitable, it, you, our team at least was so eager to find out, okay, now what? So it really moved us into like, what are these equitable grading practices? And so we grounded our work in Joe Feldman's book and, um, moved our discussion forward to figure out how to change, make these changes in our classroom. So we spent a lot of time having discussions, reflections, reading, um, and questioning. And so when ODE opened this cohort, I think um, there were just a lot of feelings that we had about it. I think the first feeling was we were really excited because we had been doing this work for so long that it it sort of felt validating that we were on the right track with what we were doing and that um, all the questions and thoughts that we had been grappling with were also something that the state wanted to bring forward and to grapple with as well. Um, certainly felt like we had a partner in the work. So ODE was, you know, able to provide us resources that we hadn't looked at before from, besides Joe Feldman's work. And also um, part of the cohort experience was learning from other districts who were at similar, you know, starting points in their journey. So we were able to you know, walk alongside other districts and learn from other districts who were dealing with the same things that we were dealing with um, and learn from them and also be able to share the work that we had done um, to help other districts get started. So I think it was really exciting and validating. It was a relief to feel like we weren't alone in that work. And um, you know, again, just really exciting how many other districts are starting this journey as well. Yeah.
0: As a middle school principal, I always encourage my teachers, like, contribute to your school, find a way to contribute beyond your school. Like, how are you helping the 25 kids somewhere else? And I think that being a part of some of these cohorts sometimes gives you that, like, yeah, I'm contributing to the kids right in front of me, but, like, maybe I'm doing a little part uh, to contribute to the work around the state. I, I always felt like that was a boost um, as I kind of worked through some of those days where I wasn't sure I was making a big difference in my classroom or things in front of me weren't going exactly like I'd hoped. They're like, well, I've got the bigger thing. I can, I can contribute to that as well. Many folks are just getting started on this journey. Um, what are some easy entry points for schools or for teachers? Sometimes it's just a teacher's gonna listen to this. Their school hasn't even made this a priority yet. Um, what do you see as those easy entry points?
4: This is Claire. Friedman, I teach seventh grade math. Um, For us, the is kind of has already come up before. um, But research, grounding your work in research, um, finding something that's uh, like we have, we found our book grading for equity by Joel Feldman. And really, when we grounded our work in research, our, we kind of all got really excited about things that were research based and um, that were easy to implement, and that we um, really, could implement easily. Um, grading is so personal, and um, we all want to do our best by students. And so sometimes those conversations are tricky, but once you look at what is research based, it is a lot easier to switch those conversations. Um, and also, really finding some supportive colleagues. This would have been a lot harder to do as an individual teacher, and having teachers that you can work with, whether that's in your subject alike or grade level, it doesn't have to be. It could be anybody in your school, um, but finding somebody who's willing to do this work with you um, and have these conversations with you is really important. And even starting with just a four or five point rubric um, to use for all of your assignments, that was kind of where we started our work that can really help avoid that point accumulation. You can come up with a rubric, like a general rubric, um, with other teachers in your building and then from there you know tailor it to your subject or your um, assignments or assessments and um, that can be a really great entry point into this.
0: Yeah I love that and somebody earlier said the benefit is that kids aren't working under six different systems so no matter what elementary middle the multiple teacher thing, where kids are having to navigate. Here's how teacher A does it versus teacher B versus teacher C. That can be exhausting for kids and families. And I I don't want to make sure that point gets brought back to the surface is that when you're doing it alone, that power doesn't happen. Is it good that you're doing it because you're less or more equitable? Absolutely. But the power does come in multiplying effects when you're doing it as a team, a department, a school. And I think uh, uh, just a reminder to folks to like find your friends don't be isolated and lonely trying to do this all by yourself um there's probably a next generation of this right like hey we made it this far uh and maybe it's next year is going to be hey let's just consolidate what we've got but um what are the next pieces that you guys would like to layer on to the work you're doing here
5: yeah, so uh, I'm Kevin Hurdle. I, I serve as the assistant principal at Athe Creek. Um, and it was mentioned earlier, but the, the interconnectedness between equitable grading practices and instructional practices and assessment practices, um, that's the direction that, that we're really heading is, um, you know, we, we wanna look at uh, specifically, like how do we continue to um, build a bridge between our learning targets to our rubrics and refine those practices um, not just to improve the practices individually, but again to create some more cohesiveness, you know, across the school. So um, we're also looking at, you know, how do we how do we build space for revisions to occur more easily in classrooms? How do we, you know, how do we recognize that students not only learn differently, but they demonstrate their learning differently? And so, alternative assessment forms, and really just looking at instructional practices across the board. Is kind of what's initially on the horizon, um, even in the coming weeks. You know, we want to also continue working with um, our families and making sure that that families are understanding what's happening here, um, that that they're then prepared also to support their students, um, you know, in, in navigating a different grading system than what they've experienced. Um, also in the short term, we're looking at how do we make this more visible. So right now, you know, we've got lots of conversations with kids, but um, how do we, you know, get some public records up in the classroom where there's easily accessible resources for them to view, um, you know, in, in each classroom. Um, and then the final thing, this was also mentioned earlier, but we actually have a lot of excitement about what does it look like when our sixth graders roll up to seventh grade next year, having already had a year of this under their belt, and our seventh graders rolling up to eighth grade, in, and where we're able to take this going into year two, not of our own practices, but of, of students being familiar with this, these changes as well. And so, you know, the big thing is certainly around instruction and assessment, and then there's kind of some other, other areas that we're, we're working towards as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper here about how we can talk with students and families about this. But I've always found that when we have the most equitable grading practices, kids learn longer. And that was the whole purpose. That was like my simple message, right? Like kids that were buried in points and couldn't catch up, stop learning. They give up. Kids that are great point collectors, collect points. They have an A. Why would they work harder? Why would they? they, There's nothing above that. And so this work allows kids to learn longer and that's what we're looking for right we want kids to be engaged and understand what's going on and learn longer and deeper and I think that um, all of the things you're talking about seem like they're lending for that to happen Uh, but I do wonder um, when you ask students like what are the most unfair parts of our grading system currently um, what still isn't working when it comes to grading? What kind of feedback are you getting from your students um, in those spaces?
1: This is Avalon. Um, we have made a whole school goal around specifically communicating to students and making sure that students understand what where their grade comes from and and see their grade as meaningful and a, and a reflection of their learning. So we individually teachers have our goals that we meet with our administrators about this year everyone has that as one of their goals and so we're united with this and part of that is conducting a quarterly survey so we are almost near the end of our second quarter so we've had one survey result so far but I feel like it was really telling of how impactful this work is in such a short amount of time so the kinds of questions we ask are like does do you understand the grading system and then some some questions that help us see that they really do understand it and do you believe that your grade matches your learning and just after one quarter we had 79 um, percent of students say they they understood the grading system and so clearly there's still some room to to improve on so to answer your question one of those things is like kevin brought up earlier the retake policies so while we have some similar messages that are that are happening in all classes, like certain things that we're all doing the same, we're really united on. There are some differences in policies still happening, of course, we're still uniting. And so there are, we see some areas of confusion and and things that we still need to talk about within our grade level teams and then on a larger scale as well. Um, Just so that students really understand how they go about um, improving their learning and then showing that improved learning. And teachers are learning right now too. So it's, some of that's being worked out um, and then another result, which was really uplifting, was that 89% of our students said they somewhat or strongly agree that believe that their grade matches their learning. And before, with those six different systems, I think that it was just this really complex math problem to understand like where does my grade come from? How do I play the game of grades? And they really can clearly see my grade matches my understanding of this learning target. Was it 100% agreement? Is there still room for growth? Of course there's still room for growth, but it's a really great start for us. Um, and, and even hearing some student voice, so we also give chances for them to give us written feedback on um, their their answers. And one student said uh, you must own your education based on learning, not just get the right answer, actually learn it. So they're really seeing the bigger picture that we're trying to communicate how they're doing. And um, one thing that was brought up in, in Joe Feldman's book that we've experienced is that, or some of us have experienced that there's an initial dip in, like, in student engagement or not necessarily engagement, but so that we have some negative comments too, like right? some, some, some naysayers, it, it's changed. Change is hard for a lot of folks and change is really hard right now. These students are experiencing a lot of different changes. And a lot of them are just, it's just because they're in disequilibrium, they're learning the system. They're also being held accountable for their learning for perhaps the first time in a while, especially being virtual for so long. And that's not always fun for middle schoolers, right? So the initial um, learning process of how, how to play this new game, so to speak, is can be a, a little bit of a journey for some, but so we're excited to see how that growth happens throughout the year with this quarterly survey and then start to see what issues still do we still need to address so some things we know we need to work on are that the maximum grades there shouldn't be a maximum all students should be able to keep improving and it sounded like that there was some discrepancy there and then again communication on revision and retake
0: well i I just appreciate the amount of feedback you're getting and looking at those results and I don't know, for a middle school student to be able to say, yes, I can admit that my grade is fair, is huge, right? (laughs) Like, I have a middle schooler. I can't imagine her being able to have that conversation with her teachers right now. So I think one of the hardest pieces of this work is, someone mentioned it, this isn't how I was graded when I went to school, right? Uh, Talk a little bit about uh, your communication strategy and kind of your marketing of this uh, to your families.
5: Yeah, so this is uh, Kevin again. Um, yeah, and, and you said it just right. Like, you know, even for us, like this is not the, the grading system that, that I went to school with. And so um, we know that a lot of families, a lot of parents are coming at it from the same perspective. So uh, initially this year, you know, we sent out, it's been around common messaging. So we sent out a common, there's a, a common blurb in uh, every teacher syllabi this year, um, just kind of outlining what, uh, what the policy is. Um, around grading, what it looks like. And then we were really fortunate. We have um, student-led conferences about the fourth or fifth week of school. Um, And so we really uh, took advantage of that opportunity uh, to structure conferences in a way that was really focused around learning um, and and, and making the shift towards talking about learning and learning targets um, and using common language and coaching students on how to use that language um, and so we saw really great results when families came into those conferences, and they're hearing this language, and there's opportunities to ask, you know, some questions and get some clarification. And I think there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of confusion coming into those conferences. That when families left, it, they they had their answers to their questions. Um, you know, we also know that that part of this is we're using we're using different language, like we're talking with students about formative and summative assessment. And so in our newsletters, we have kind of started some parent education around that as well. Like when you hear your kids saying, hey, I I actually don't need to focus on that formative task because I need to focus on the summative task. Um, We wanted to provide some clarity to to parents and families around what does that mean? Um, we're, We're also now working on continuing on those lines like different kids or different questions that we can ask kids, Um, you know, so rather than coming home, we know that with the middle school, you're you're on track to get that one word answer, you know, if you don't ask the right question. Um, And so we're trying to, you know, to encourage parents and families to ask like, you know, what is a learning target, you know, that you're currently working on in class? Or what is a learning target that you've had a lot of success with recently? And just, again, helping to uh, replace the tools in their toolbox with, you know, questions that they can ask their own students that are going to get a, a, an answer that relates to this. Um, and then finally, you know, there, there has been a lot of communication, especially in the first quarter. Um, there was just a lot of communication just directly to teachers, you know, and so the, that ongoing, um, you know, those conversations, those meetings, those emails, those phone calls, just where, where parents were able to get some clarification around, around you know, what exactly was occurring in the classroom in terms of grades and we've seen you know going from first quarter to second quarter a pretty significant decrease in in, um, the amount of of parents reaching out kind of asking these questions like we definitely see there there seems to be a much more uh, full understanding of what's going on but we also know that you know there's there's still work to do Um, and so we have you know kind of things lined out to to continue uh, you know kind of communication, education with families around around this practice moving forward.
0: And I think that transparency leads to trust. And when we allow our students to be the greatest advocate for the program and get their voices out in front, it it brings our parents along. Um, As we wrap up, um, just what leaves you hopeful around this? Maybe there's a story, maybe there's a um, moment Uh, Whoever wants to answer, feel free to whoever wants to jump in and uh, get some final voices in the room here.
4: This is Claire. Um, I think there's a lot that leaves us hopeful. I think one of the biggest things is like the change in conversation um, with students around learning and how grades are really based on your learning um, and the power of practice. Um, kids are, our conversations are less about how do I raise my grade, you know, what points do I need to do or accumulate, what assignments do I need to complete, it's more about, can you help me understand this, um, how can I revise this. Um, they're really starting to see, you know, the power in doing the practice, I had a student a while back ask, you know, is this work formative or summative and another kid chimed in and said it's practice. Um, so that was great. Um I also think that this is the power of teachers coming together and creating change. You know, this is a teacher led initiative and we have so many amazing staff at our school that we're so eager to join in our work. Um, And we're really excited about what's happening and um, looking forward to what's coming next.
0: Well, I, well, bravo to everyone for the hard work that you're doing, because this is hard work. It's not like something you just do and check it off the list at the end of the night. And so I, I'm just impressed. And every time I hear these stories, uh, everyone around the country should just continue to know that like amazing things are happening in schools, even in the midst of crazy. Um, and so um, I appreciate uh, you taking a few moments to share your story this morning and we'll look forward to maybe checking back in with you six months to a year from now to see how things have gone and where they're headed next.
1: Thank you.
0: Thanks. Thanks for listening. More about this podcast and my work with schools and districts can be found at drrobertdillon.com. Until next time, slow down, notice the world, and stay curious.